The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Joel, the second chapter. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountains. Like a crackling fire consuming stubble. Like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. 
Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. Joel, the second chapter. This is what we're facing. Oh yes, there are riots and maybe civil war, people losing their homes, all kinds of catastrophic fires in California, judgments of God. The church has been closed. It's been vomited out of the mouth of God. Now where do we stand? The trumpet of God is blowing in Zion. And he is calling us to repent. He's calling us to understand what our purpose is. And he is giving assignments. Our time is not our time. Our energy is not our energy. Our money is not our money. If we belong to the Lord, it belongs to the Lord. If we belong to the Lord, all that we have belongs to the Lord. Now, I want to speak with you about your purpose. It's not enough for me to simply say, repent. That's not enough. We must do more than repent. We must hear the voice of God. We must understand what Jesus was about and what our purpose is now in this last day drama, in this last day crisis. America is in deep, deep trouble. Millions of Americans are in danger of losing a roof over their heads, and millions of Americans are on the edge of going hungry. During the great crash of 1929 and the years following, the government estimates that just over 7 million Americans starved to death. Are we going to see that repeated now? Yes, we're in a crisis. But the greatest crisis we face is the crisis between us and Jesus. And will we repent? Will we understand what Jesus was about? And will we obey as he gives us assignments? I want to say something to you. I wasn't going to say this yet, but I'm hearing I need to. In Romans, the sixth chapter, Romans, 
the sixth chapter. Are you ignorant? That is, are you uneducated? That as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were baptized together with him by means of the baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in the newness of life. That word newness in the Greek literally means in a life that we have never before experienced, something brand new. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. Now, let me just quickly say some things to you, please. We Americans are so invested in our personal survival, in our personal interests, in our hobbies, in our hidey caves where we go to comfort our hearts, to our televisions, to our to our sports, to our games, to our wickedness. When we come face to face with this reality that we must die to self and to our self-life, everything rises up in our hearts and despair sets in and we begin to curse even we begin to turn against the lord and say his blessing is a curse to us we begin to act like naughty children throwing temper tantrums oh i know believe me i know as the lord has called me deeper and deeper into the into the crucifixion into totally laying aside my personal life. And sometimes I've said, Lord, it's hopeless. I can't do this. I've even prayed, Lord, will you release me from this so I can just... Look, it's time for me to retire, Jesus. Will you just let me go? And then as I worship and praise, the devil's attack is broken and I understand what I've done and how I've insulted Jesus. And I turn in repentance and say, Jesus, forgive me. Do not release me, Jesus, but hold me steady in your hand. Let me finish this dying out totally, completely. I'm struggling to to deal with finances right now because the last two weeks finances for radio and for the church have just dried up. And then I get a, a phone call or text 
there's a missionary who's just come back from the mission field. This was, this was what? Monday night. And they have a job. They'll start in a week. But right now, they have one egg in their refrigerator. They don't have food. Pastor, can you help us? Can you help me? Can you help my family? So I pray. And the Lord tells me, take this amount. Or another precious brother with a wife and a baby. He stands before me in the prayer closet, unbidden, and says to me, Pastor, I have no food for my baby. I have no food for my family. Will you help me? And I pray. The Lord gives me an amount and says, Take this. Take this and give it to him. I say, Lord, all right, I'm on my way. This requires a deeper death for me because my only source, I have no salary, my only source is what Jesus gives to me. And when I have to give that to help others, then how can I live? I want you to hear me. It's not about how you or I will live. It's about what Jesus wants. And discouragement is an attack of the devil on our hearts and our lives. And Jesus expects us to stand though the heavens fall. Stand. Don't waver. Don't be double-minded. Obey the commands of God. Give as he orders. Do what he tells us to do. This death issue is so big. Because we spoiled Americans don't want to die. We don't want to let go of our life. But we can never enter the kingdom of God if we don't let go of our lives. I want to show you several things in Scripture. In Matthew, the first chapter, the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Son of David, may you not fear to take Mary, your wife, For the one having been conceived in her is out from the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus. Mark it well. He himself will save his people from their sins. Joseph had to die. 
family, friends, everybody said, Joseph, don't marry her. She was unfaithful to you. But God said, I chose her to have the Son of God marry her. We've got to learn to totally die out and let Jesus have the rule over our hearts and stop the spoiled baby temper tantrums to stop drifting into discouragement. Stop allowing the devil to lie to us and plunge us into hopelessness. I won't have it. I will not have it. I want no part of it. Now in John, the first chapter, the Gospel of John, beginning in verse 29, on the next day he sees Jesus coming toward him and he says, Look, the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. How did he take away the sin of the world? By dying on Calvary's tree. He was not afraid to die for you and for me. We cannot be afraid to die for Jesus. I just read reports this morning coming out of Ethiopia where Islamic radicals are going door to door, even in the capital city. And they are searching for men and women who have a thread tied around their throat. That thread represents they're utterly giving themselves over to Jesus. And when they find someone, they demand that that person break the thread and bow down and confess Allah as the only God. And when they refuse, they're hacked to death with machetes. They're hacked to death or they're beheaded with a machete. Verse 30, this is about whom I said, a man is coming after me who has been before me because he existed before me. And I had not recognized him, but in order that he may be made known to Israel, for this reason I came baptizing with water. And John witnessed, saying, I've observed the Spirit coming down out of heaven as a dove, and it remained upon him. And I had not recognized him except the one having sent me to baptize with water. That one said to me, Upon whom you may see the Spirit coming down and remaining upon him, this is the one baptizing with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen this, and I have testified that this man is the Son of God. Verse 29, John said, Look, the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. Now go with me to another passage of Scripture, please. It's 
found over here again in First John, the third chapter. I'll begin with Oh, let's go back. Let's begin with verse 3. Beloved, now we are children of God. It was not yet made known what we shall be, but we know that if at any time he may be manifested, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone having this hope in him purifies himself, just as that one is pure. Everyone doing the sin also continues doing the lawlessness. In fact, the sin is the lawlessness. That is, it's voluntary. It's not, it's not a mistake. It's not, as Wesley put it, an infirmity. It's a voluntary jumping into the wickedness of our heart. Verse 5, this is First John, third chapter, verse 5. And you know that one was manifested so that he may take away our sins. Jesus was to take away our sins. Indeed, there is no sin in him. Everyone who continues remaining in him does not keep on sinning. Everyone sinning has not known him, neither has has he known him. Little children, you must not let anyone deceive you. The one continually doing the righteousness is righteous. Not imputed. This is real, imparted righteousness. This is literal righteousness in a man's life or a woman's life. Just as that one is righteous, you can be righteous just like Jesus is righteous if you allow him to control your behavior, your thoughts, and your attitudes. If you die to the old wicked heart that protects your flesh body, Now, watch this. The one continually doing the sin is out of the devil, but the devil sins from a beginning for this purpose. I want you to see this. What is the purpose of Jesus? For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Everyone having been born out of God does not continue to sin because his seed continues to remain in him and he is not able to keep on sinning because he's been born out of God. Now, please understand, I want to pinpoint something very specifically that will change your attitude and your life if you can get a hold of this. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? A number of years ago, there was a book published, The Purpose Driven Church, Rick Warren. It was a desperately dangerous book. And as I began to read it, I very 
very quickly discerned that it was simply another take on pagan humanism. It was mixed cleverly with truth and lies. In fact, I found that a number of scriptures that were quoted when I looked them up in the Bible because they didn't sound quite right, I discovered that he had even altered the text without referring to the altering that he had done. It is, it was, it is a desperately dishonest book. Now, he made millions on this and on the whole purpose-driven life movement. It went into countless numbers of Christian churches. And what it did was turn the heart of God's people inward into self-examination to determine what is their purpose. And then akin to that was the whole movement of identifying gifts. I discovered that I am an off-the-wall intuitive. I discovered in the Myers-Briggs what my personality type was. Can I tell you something? Discovering what my Myers-Briggs personality type was, what window I was looking out, was useful for me at the time, I thought. But it did not bring me to Jesus. It only sharpened my skills and led me into corporate training, conflict resolution based on humanistic principles. It did not tend to lead me to holiness. It did not lead me to dying to self. You see, in the gospel of Jesus, he was not concerned about what your gifts were. He didn't say, Peter, you are an exceptionally gifted preacher, so I'm going to call you. Or the apostle Paul, you are an exceptionally gifted preacher, and so I'm going to call you. That's not how Jesus works. He doesn't call the gifted. They become proud and arrogant, hard-hearted. You see, if I belong to Jesus, and I do, I have not held anything back from him. If I belong to Jesus, then Jesus' purpose has to become my purpose. I can have no purpose outside of the one I belong to. What would you think of a slave who has his own private purposes? No, it doesn't work. You are owned by the master. You are there to do the work the master asks you or tells you to do. What would you think if a slave would say to his master, no, I'm sorry, I can't go in the field and work today because I have my own garden about a mile away and I need to go work in my own field today. What would the master say to him? He'd say, absolutely not. Destroy that garden. 
You belong to me. Well, so it is with Jesus. You don't get a separate garden somewhere. You don't get a separate business somewhere. Your purpose has to be identical with the purpose of your master. You don't have a private purpose. So if you ask me, Pastor Ray, what is your purpose in life? Well, what is Jesus' purpose? Jesus' purpose was that he may destroy the works of the devil. My purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. How do I do that? By preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and declaring his blood over the servants of Satan and turning them by the power of the Holy Spirit and the precious blood of Jesus, turning them away from their wickedness to follow Jesus Christ. His purpose was to remove sin from people's hearts, to cleanse them, to make them clean, to restore them in relationship with the Father. I can have no other purpose. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is, seek ye first the royal authority of God to be in charge of your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. When you're sure you are placed now in the kingdom of God by crucifixion to the way of the devil to the old life. Then, seek his righteousness. The word there literally means seek his innocence, live innocent before God. It says, purify yourself even as he is pure. I just read that to you. Are you catching it? Now, in the midst of all of that, what is your assignment? I've been given very specific assignment for the work of the kingdom of God. He has called me to a very specific task. Now, you may not be called to that specific task. In fact, many of you will not be called to that task. I've been called to a John the Baptist task. I've been called to to proclaim the way of the Lord. I've been called on this radio broadcast and it will be in public meetings. Let me turn to it quickly. 
voice of of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Chapter 3, Matthew, Now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, You must repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. For this is the one having been spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, A voice crying out in the desert, You must prepare the way of the Lord. You must make his path straight. Later in that same passage, verse 10, And even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. So every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Do you understand what he's saying? If you, if you remain as a wicked person focused around your own interests and what you desire and you refuse to participate in the purpose of Jesus Christ, then you will not produce good fruit. You will be cut down and you'll be thrown into the fire. Even if you call yourself a wonderful Christian, but you're about your own business, you're about your own life, you're about your own self-life, going where you please, doing what you want, spending as you choose, not concerned about building the kingdom of God, not concerned about winning the loss to Jesus. Now, there's many different kind of fruit that you can produce. You may produce godly children. Some mothers are doing a great job at producing godly children. I think of several. You may be called to do legal work. And you do it with justice and with kindness. And you're not greedy. But you help and you minister in the name of Jesus. And your purpose is to draw the hearts of men and women to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you do it through a law office. Or you do it through a government office. In other words... We're not all called to the same assignment, but we're called to the same purpose. I can't tell you how long I struggled with the question, and I felt utterly hopeless and discouraged and lost, saying, what is my purpose? Jesus, what is my purpose? I feel purposeless. I feel like I'm drifting, like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. No, I do know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm participating in the work of Jesus Christ in destroying the work of destruction the devil has wrought in the lives of countless people. So I'm called to give. I'm called to counsel. I'm called to share. I'm called to encourage We're all called to participate in this great work of destroying the work of the devil. 
And we don't do that based on what our talents are. I remember the first time I stood up in front of a congregation to preach and my knees were knocking so badly I had to brace them against the pulpit to keep my feet. And then I got over that in that little church where I was a child standing up to preach. And I remember the first time I preached to 3,000 people. And I looked over that great congregation and my knees began to knock and once more I had to brace them against the pulpit. I was terrified. I was not a great speaker. Any skill I have today in presenting the word of God was not naturally in me. It's been placed there through discipline and dying by the Holy Spirit. The Lord equips the man or woman he calls for the task he's called them to. But we need to be very clear. It says... He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire whose winnowing shovel is in his hand and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with fire never to be put out. That's what we're to join in with Jesus to accomplish winnowing with the shovel of Jesus thoroughly cleansing his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn recognizing that the chaff is going to be burned up and I don't want to be chaff and I don't want my family to be chaff and I don't want you to be chaff. I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up. I want you to give up your temperamental frustrations, your questionings, your judging, your doubting of Jesus. Know what his purpose was. It says very clearly, in First John, the third chapter. Now, what is his assignment to you? Do you have an assignment? If you've been listening to the Holy Spirit, you have an assignment. And if you don't have one, get on your face before God and repent for not hearing as he gave you an assignment because he has assigned you some task for the kingdom of God. Or you're not a Christian. We like to be like irresponsible children staying in our dream world, hugging our little teddy bear. It's time to give up our little stuffed teddy bear. It's time to recognize that we're at the end. Jesus is coming. And we've got to stand on our two feet before the judge of all the earth. And it has to be very clear. Either we have participated in the work that Jesus has as his purpose of destroying the work of the devil in the earth and in the lives of men and women. We either have to participate in that and have specific assignments so that we know what our work is. Or we will be aimless and hopeless. Our heart will be hard and 
impotent and we will heap up wrath for ourselves for the day of wrath for the righteous judgments of God. So let's be very straight. Romans 6. is saying we must die. Why are you delaying dying? Why are you delaying? Why are you holding on to those old things that Jesus has spoken to you about for so many, even years, and you still hang on to that wickedness? And you refuse to participate with Jesus in the work that he is trying to accomplish on the earth of destroying the work of the devil. How long will you refuse his assignment to you? It's time to wake up. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion and say enough is enough. Let's get with what Jesus is trying to accomplish. Let's not complain about the churches being closed. We were vomited out of them. I praise God that some pastors have been bold enough to say, no, we've got to go back to church and get real with God. He's right. It's time to get real with Jesus and with each other and with our families and declare ourselves are you in or are you out? You can't be half in and half out. That's lukewarm, and Jesus will spit you personally out of his mouth. The church has been closed. He has spit the church in America out of his mouth. And now comes your turn. Either repent and get right with Jesus and understand what his purpose was in the earth and what his purpose still is in the heavenly realm and your part in that and receive the assignment that Jesus will give you and say, yes, sir. Now, is that easy? No. I won't, I won't kid you. I won't play games with you. If it were easy to die, we'd all do it. It's not easy to die to self, to the lust of the flesh, to the pride of life. We want to rise up with indignation against someone who mistreats us in our mind. Or we want to rise up with criticisms of a brother or a sister. Or we want to be impatient I receive letters sometimes and they're very impatient, demanding. No, I don't do a very good job of, of thank you notes and correspondence. I'm sorry. That's just, I'm doing everything I can do to come here and present this broadcast day by day and spend the time in the prayer closet and cry out to the Lord for you. I'm not here to answer all your questions. I'm here to call you to Jesus. He will answer your questions. I'm not the judge of who's right and who's wrong. I'm here to call you to Jesus. 
but we're about out of time today. We're going to continue this study tomorrow. I'd love to hear from you. If you want this broadcast to continue on the air, then I trust you to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit and give as he tells you to give. With or without thank you notes. I don't sell things. I don't give prizes. Jesus is my prize. Jesus is everything for me. And I want to simply faithfully participate in his purpose with the assignment he has given me until he takes me home or until he comes. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I want to thank Leslie and other dear believers who have, who have written to me letters of encouragement with your offerings and your tithe. Thank you. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also give online, and I, I thank each of you who have done that. There were only two of you this last week who did that, and I praise God for you. I need to hear from many more of you. Would you go to nationalprayerchapel.com? Go up to the upper right-hand corner, and there's a donate button. Click on that. It will show you how you can quickly and easily give online. More importantly, would you subscribe to the YouTube video that you're watching right now? Would you hit the like button? I ask you that because as we increase in numbers, then Google will put more of our broadcasts out for people to find. It's not about you liking this broadcast. It's about Google saying, oh, people are listening to this. We better, we better spread it further. So I ask, would you, would you subscribe? Now let me pray with you, please. Lord, my Jesus, our Father, I know that there are people listening today who are desperately hurting in their hearts. They don't know how they're going to make it. They don't know. Everything seems impossible. They're loaded down with frustration and and hurt and hopelessness. Lord, I ask you would come and minister to them right now, and I rebuke all discouragement in the name of Jesus. I rebuke hopelessness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the work of the devil. 
and ask that it be destroyed in every person listening, Jesus. Let your word go forth with great power. Let it be your word going forth with great power. Lord, I thank you. Great is the name of my Lord. I pray today, Jesus, you will wake your people up. That you will call us out of the slumber. That you will put an urgency in our heart to get right with you. Oh, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find videos and YouTubes and countless free resources. There's not a charge for anything. Please pass the videos on. Post them on your YouTube page or on Twitter or wherever you go. Put a link up, maybe a brief description. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I would love to meet you in person. I will someday. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.